0: Welcome to Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. In this show, we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing. And I am your host, Ramakrishna. Let's begin the show. Today's our guest is Todd Dexmyra from D Properties. Welcome Todd. Yeah, thanks
1: for having me on, Rama.
0: A little bit about Todd. Todd and his companies have purchased, renovated, and sold well over 700 units ranging from single-family homes, duplexes, multi-family properties, mobile homes, raw land, and sky resort. His focus is on value add multi-family syndication in emerging markets. Todd and his team have purchased multi-family buildings in five states and host over 35 million of real estate. Todd has raised over 15 million in private equity and has provided its private investors with double digit returns on every investment. Todd also hosts the podcast Pillars of Wealth Creation where he interviews successful business leaders along with coaching those that are interested in stepping up their investment game. So with that Todd would you like to add anything to your background? Well,
1: no, I should probably update my background. No, it looks like it's it's not extremely updated. We've got a couple more buildings that we've purchased, uh, own own a little bit more uh, real estate. So no big deal
0: though. It's it's all good. (laughs) Okay. I got it from your website.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like I need to uh, update my website.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So why into real estate and multiple asset classes? And what do you share your thought process behind that?
1: Yeah. Why into real estate? Man, it just really, it was uh, looking for something to do. I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial bug, uh, but I went to school to become a teacher and uh, entrepreneurial bug was just uh, never went away. And so I started reading books and you know, just doing a lot of, I guess, just a lot of research. I knew I wasn't going to be a teacher the rest of my life and really real estate just clicked. The numbers clicked. The idea clicked. Uh, I did remodeling construction through the summers to pay for my schooling. And it just all made sense. Uh, I understood it and thought this is something I could do. So, you know, I started in just the single family home space and buying one to four family rentals and uh, flipping houses and just, again, really enjoyed it. And, you know, that just snowballed into a business and into multifamily. And multifamily made the most sense to me. Like cash flowing real estate, of course, made the most sense to me. It's sustainable. You can do it long-term, you know, with flipping, I don't feel is extremely sustainable, business for the long term. You don't see a lot of companies that have been flipping for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that are large companies. You just don't see that. So the multifamily made a lot of sense.
0: Cool, cool. And thank you. And what is your investment philosophy? So how are you implementing that philosophy?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, we're impact investors. So we're trying to make an impact. We're trying to make a positive influence on the people that we're going to be touching, right? So we want to make sure that we are creating a good environment for our tenants. We're creating an excellent environment for our staff and we want to do you know good work for the community as well. So, and our investors too. So, I mean, we're we're really looking at buying properties that we can take that just been abused, haven't really had great landlords and the the tenants aren't being taken care of. We want to take those properties and and change that whole dynamic, right? We want to be there and serve our residents. We want to serve our staff. We want to serve the community. We want to serve our our uh, investors. So that's really our philosophy. Service first, uh, profits second. And uh, and in my opinion, that has actually helped drive greater profits when we started really thinking about that and focusing on service first. How are we really changing people's lives in a positive direction? And then let's worry about the money second.
0: Got it. Yep. Thank you. And what is your process of identifying emerging markets?
1: Oh yeah, that's that's a good question because uh, yeah, I mean definitely something I focus on. I want to find emerging markets and submarkets within those markets. So it really comes down to several key factors. So I'll, I'll just take you through kind of the start and how how I really start, and then how we go from there. So the first thing that I look at is rent affordability. So I'm just gonna do a Google search and just look up the most affordable you know markets in the U.S. for rents, and I'll, I'll you know search around and I'll search for and I'll see some big markets and I'll search for small markets markets. markets and so you just change your Google, you know, some of the keywords and you get a list of markets. And then from there, you want to look at those markets and you go wanna look at okay, what what's the job outlook in those markets? Where's it been? Where is it going? All right. Cross some property or cr- cross some markets off the list. You might go, well, you know, Cleveland, Ohio was was a great market, but it's not growing in, in jobs. Okay. So I'm going to cross that off the list. So you cross them off the list there. And then you, you go to population growth. Usually population growth and job growth is pretty well cor- correlated. So those are kind of one on one. And you'll find a lot of the same data, you know, as you're searching. Again, you cross a few off your list and then you keep on going. And so we hit job growth. We hit population growth. We hit, of course, we started with affordability. Then we want to look at markets that have government that is bringing businesses in. Okay. So, what's the government doing to bring businesses in? And then also, what's the government doing for landlords, right? Is the government really attacking landlords right now? Do we feel there's going to be rent control? Do we feel there's going to be a lot of rules and regulations? Or is it a friendly government that, you know, is going to allow landlords to be running on a Honest and ethical business, right? Now, we understand there's going to be government regulation. We're not trying to get away from that completely, but we want to be able to run an honest and ethical business and not have the government control who we are and what we do. So we definitely dig into that and, and cross quite a few markets off the list uh, for that. We also look at affordability. Affordability. We talked about rent affordability, but I'm talking about affordability for me to be able to actually buy a property and cash flow. Can I buy cash flow assets? What's the cap? What are the cap rates at? Where have the cap rates gone? From and to. So, was that market a, a market that was sitting at a, an eight cap just a few years ago and now it's sitting at a five cap for a C class property? That might be a market that we don't want to be at. So, you know, affordability for us, opportunity. Are there any value add opportunities or are there enough, I should say, value add opportunities? Because, of course, there's always some, but are there enough value add opportunities? So, we look at how many properties are selling in that market. Market like I'm from Twin Cities, market like the Twin Cities. In 2019, I'm not going to use 2020 because that was a wacky year. In 2019, there was 21 properties sold that were 100 plus units. That's just not enough for a population that's 3.6 million people. If that wasn't my backyard, I wouldn't even think about Minneapolis. And so it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense because it's just not enough inventory, not enough sales happening. So that means there's not enough opportunity for me to spend my time and energy building relationships in that market just to get no deals. And the few deals that I do get are probably going to be high hyper competitive because everybody's going after those few deals. So try to think if there's anything else. Those are kind of the, the big ones. Oh, the last one. Can I find a good team in that market? So as I really dive in, now this is, this is kind of later stages. I really say, hey, I, I really like this market. So then I'm going to f- see, can I actually find a team that's going to be able to execute my business plan with me? And if the answer is no, then I'm going to obviously move on with that. Now that, that takes a little bit more digging. That's again, when you're very serious about the market. You're maybe down to one or two markets. And then I'm going to find the team that usually directly involves a a flight to the market or drive to the market and spending some time there getting to know people. I want to get to know the
0: brokers and the property managers and the contractors and so on. Got it. Got it. And thank you for sharing detailed uh, process of identifying emerging markets. Really appreciate it. And so what is your business value or business plan for uh, your properties?
1: Yeah. So again, it, it comes down to how can we serve our residents? And so we're just looking at ways that we can take the property and add life back into it. So we're typically focusing on properties that are a little worse off than your tip, your, your kind of typical value add, where they're trying to do a little light paint and maybe some flooring and maybe change out countertops. We're really focusing on properties that have been you know down and out for for years so we're going to typically replace the countertops replace the cabinets you know we're going to have to we're going to have to replace almost the entire interior essentially and then we're going to have to do a lot of exterior work the exterior is typically abused and so we're going to have to do exterior work, landscaping, amenity spaces are big, you know, and then what type of things do our residents really desire that our demographic that we're, you know, that we're going after. So is it that package channeling center? Is it the, is it the pool? Is it the, you know, just really, what is it? What do they like? What do they want? And how can we serve them better? Again, just really cleaning these properties up and making them, we're buying a lot of slumlord properties <laughs> to say it. I mean, you know, we we just were buying one a few months ago. Great neighborhood. I mean, it's a A class neighborhood. This building was D class. I mean, it was just a just nasty. And and these residents are living in this place. And you know, tiles, shower tiles are falling off of the off of the shower walls. Literally, one of the residents I, I asked him how their experience has been so far, and she, and she says, "Well, I've only been here a couple months, but you know, it's just it's been tough because the maintenance people don't do anything." And and uh, as I'm walking around, I said, "Well, what's this pile of tiles sitting here?" And she said oh that's from the shower i open up the shower and sure enough she's got you know 10 different tiles that are in her shower that are just laying there in a pile she shorted them neatly you know the maintenance people won't touch them and so it's stuff like that we're going to make sure obviously residents are actually being taken care of our maintenance staff is
0: going to get to them right away got it yep and what is your process of raising capital would you share any best practices you implemented in raising capital
1: yeah. So I really think it's a lot of awareness to your base. So making sure that they're educated is huge. Making sure that they're aware of what you're doing is extremely important. I think one of the biggest things that I think a lot of early on capital raisers, they don't realize is that you're providing a service, right? You're you're actually providing a need for your investor. So your investor has a problem and their problem is they've got money and they're looking for a good place to put their money. That's going to A, keep it Safe and secure, B, grow it. And you've got a great product for them. You've got multifamily value add real estate. And that's a very safe investment, ranks one of the best on the sharp ratio. And it's a very, very good return investment as well. And so don't look at it as I'm raising money. Don't look at it as I'm I'm selling my investors. You're not selling anybody, you're providing them an opportunity. And once you start looking at it like that, I think you're gonna have a lot more success in it. So you're providing. Investors, an opportunity to be able to invest in your deals. And if you believe in your deals, bring people along for the ride. They're going to be happy. And so I think that's where it starts with. And like I said, education. Make sure they understand what multifamily is, what value add is, and what syndication is. Make sure they understand the types of return structures, all that kind of stuff. So how do you do that? Write a couple of blogs, like do do some webinars, invite your potential investors along for the ride. The other thing is start a thought leadership program. You know, what what does that look like? That that really depends on you. It could be a blog that you write uh, consistently. It could be a podcast. It could be Facebook lives, LinkedIn lives. It could be a clubhouse. There's so many different things. There that you can do to raise awareness not only of who you are, but then make sure your investors know. I think the other thing is communication. Make sure you're communicating well with your investors. Make sure you're sending you know consistent emails to them so they know who you are, they know what you're doing, and you know, they can hear your updates. And especially once you have properties, you want to send very consistent emails so they know exactly what's going on. Be open, be honest, tell them the good, tell them the bad, tell them the lessons learned, all that kind of stuff. So and then get out there, right? You've got to actually physically meet people. I know COVID for the last year, most people haven't been physically meeting with each other, but you got to start physically meeting with people. You've got to go to lunch with them and coffee with them, go to networking events, uh, just be live in person. My investors, when I look at my investor list and the people that actively invest, the very largest percentage by far, are people I've met in person. We've sat down, we've had a coffee together, we've laughed together, we've shaken hands. Those are the people that invest with me consistently. Those are the people that invest the most amount of money with me. I don't get a ton. I mean, I do get investors that I've never met, but I don't get a ton of investors that I've never met that have only heard me on a podcast or something like that.
0: Cool. Cool. And thank you. Thanks for sharing. So real reason behind no re- raising capital. Yeah. Thank you, sir. And so would you share any of your best uh, multifamily investing experience so far?
1: Oh, I mean, I've had so many awesome experiences. It's just, it's been fantastic. Of course, I've had the opposite of that too, but uh, I've had I've had some amazing experiences. I don't know what the, the what the best is, but I would just say one of my properties uh, that I actually recently sold in Kentucky, and, and uh, it was overall it was a really great experience. We definitely had some lessons learned, but we had some residents that uh, quite a few residents that really thanked us, especially during COVID. So we went above and beyond a little bit in COVID, you know, sent their tenants letters of what's going on and what what we're doing. And and then my my on-site staff hung toilet paper on everybody's door, a fresh roll of toilet paper. And this was when that toilet paper shortage was going on and people couldn't find them. So we did that. We discounted their rent for that month. This was right when the pandemic started. Gave everybody a discount if if they were to pay rent by, I think, the 15th, which is still pretty, you know, it's late rent, but we still were giving them a discount. And we got several amazing, you know, thank yous from our residents and it was just really cool. So that, that was definitely a great experience. And the whole property was a great experience going from start to finish on that property. I really just seeing it, you know, seeing the whole business plan work out, is always just a great feeling to see us being able to take a property that was down and out that, you know, tenants were not being taken care of to a property where we could really take care of our residents and our staff too, and do great work and then and then provide awesome returns for our investors too. That was, was a whole fun experience.
0: Good, cool, good. Cool. And uh, would you also share any of your, worst, start challenging experience? So many, you know, I'll share one. I could share
1: 20, but I'll share one. Uh, we bought a property that had some plumbing issues and it just continued to have plumbing issues. We had a plumbing pipe in the ground break in, I think it was Memorial Day weekend. A plumbing p- pipe broke in the ground and it ended up flooding four of my subgrade units in one of my buildings completely remodeled by the way we just remodeled those units we had tenants living in there flooded four of those units and we had to get an emergency company over by the time we figured it out you know what was going on we, it took a while to figure out what the heck was happening but finally figured it out had to get a plumber over to dig up the street dig up the dig up the ground replace that pipe and then uh, of course we had to hire you know an extracting company to get rid of that water in those units we had to move those residents so it was a big mess and a uh, you know, lesson learned is really just get to know your buildings a little bit better. Uh, This was early on when I first purchased the building and we had allowed a property management company that we ended up firing prior to, it's a long story. So I probably don't have time to go into it, but essentially this property management company, you know, did a lot of the inspections themselves and did a really poor job. And, and uh, we didn't get to know the property the way we should have at the beginning. So I think it caused us a lot of problems in the end. Uh, we, we I don't know if we would have avoided that problem, but we at least would have had a lot more awareness at the potential of that problem happening and potentially could have avoided that problem. So we would have been a lot more prepared. Let's
0: just say that for sure. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And any one advice that impacted you, Todd?
1: I think the biggest thing I had a mentor that I was working with that I still I still talk to a lot and I was buying you know one to four families. I was doing fix and flips and I was just trying to transition out of that and into something bigger. And so I was buying ten unit buildings, twenty unit buildings, that type of stuff. And I was talking to him about growing and and getting larger units and somebody we knew both knew and I said, Man, I'd just like to get up there one day. And he goes he's just like, Well, what do you what do you mean one day? What what makes you any less, you know, any less of a, a person that did that. And we really, we talked about it and his whole philosophy or his whole thought was, look, you know, you, you've done a lot in real estate and that person essentially got started doing what you think you have to graduate to do. And so you don't need to graduate. You just need to go do it. Like you are capable, you know, everything you need to know, go do it and change your, change your philosophy. It's just that little paradigm shift that was like, wow, you're right. Uh, There's no reason I can't do this business and I'm going to go do it. And, and so it's just that little push that got me to shift my paradigm. There's been many of those along the way too. Just little paradigm shifting pushes, and uh, you know, take take those and grab them and use them. Push to bigger properties. Push to bigger things. So that was just that little conversation was like, a, a just wow. Uh, I, yeah, you're right. Why am I waiting? Why am I? Why do I think I need to graduate? You don't have to graduate. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared, but then you need to go.
0: Got it. Yeah. And so, how are you giving back to community?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, obviously I've talked a, a bit about how we run our properties. We feel like we're giving back there, but I like to to volunteer as well for, so I volunteer for my church as a, as a board member. I'm part of my daughter's figure skating club. So I volunteer as a board member for that. I also volunteer coach for a lot of my son's sports teams, uh, and then like to just do little things like volunteer for a couple different organizations around Feed My Starving Children and Loaves and Fishes. And you know, uh, junior achievement stuff like that. So I really enjoy working with young young kids uh, or adults, you know, high school age that are trying to find their way. I like talking to them about you know being an entrepreneur and what what can be and you know do how to really manage their money too. I, there's just a lot of people that don't know how to manage their money and they don't get taught that in school and they don't get taught that at home. And so coming in and helping those kids really understand that is, is extremely important to me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And thank you. And how can listeners can connect with you, Todd?
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. So there's a couple different ways. You can go to my website, VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com. I also do uh, coaching. So if you're interested in that coaching, mentoring to get into multifamily or to expand it, I kind of start with people that are have a pretty good base of knowledge, but not they don't necessarily have to have done deals. They just have to know what they're, you know, kind of know know the basics. But that you can go to coachwithdex.com, coachwithdex, dot com, And then, you know, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. They can find
0: me there as well. Awesome. And thank you, Todd. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for adding value to the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.